welcome to the Boundless Gamers Podcast. This is episode number 16. My name is Jacques, and joining me is Mike. Mike, how are you doing? Doing about the same. Nothing has really changed. Got my three fillings. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. Well, everything went fine. And, you know, when I was leaving the dentist, the same chick last time who noticed my Sacred Symbols shirt, she noticed, she looked at my uh, my new shirt I was wearing, she's like, oh, yeah, that's the creature from Stranger Things. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Wait, what? She, she... <laughs> I was wearing a uh, a Stargate shirt with a Xenomorph coming out of the Stargate, oh, and she thought okay. that creature was from Stranger Things. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. It's, it's not Stranger Things. That's the alien from the Aliens franchise. She's like, oh, oh, I don't really see it. And I'm like, <sighs> and I'm dying inside, <laughs> the big Aliens fan in me. Like, it's clearly the Xenomorph. It's clearly the Xenomorph. It's not the creature from Stranger Things. She's thinking of the... The, the, the Demogorgon. Uh, yeah, the Demogorgon from season one, yeah. Mike, I, I swear, I thought you were talking about this the sacred symbol shirt, and I was like, how the fuck would she think that that was a creature? I have a sacred symbol shirt with a Xenomorph coming out. <laughs> I mean, that would be pretty <laughs> awesome. I would have pitched that to Colin, though. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That'd be cool. But don't worry, don't worry. I'm not going to talk about the dentist anymore. I know you guys probably don't want to hear all of that again, so. We do have a, just a tiny little bit more headset uh, talk, but we'll keep that to a minimum because we have been talking about that a lot, too. There's an update. But uh, anyway, let me just get through these socials and we'll continue. So uh, you can find us on social media at Boundless Gamers, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and also please follow us on your podcast platform of choice. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's that's the hard part. I, I just you know try to blaze through that because I don't enjoy it. You guys don't enjoy it. Nobody enjoys it. It's got to be done. So there you go. Anyway, so now let's start the show proper. So we've already talked about the dentist. Now we were just mentioning the headset. Mike, you want to start off with that? Jacques, remember the Kyra Pros I picked up? Yeah. Well, they didn't work out. Oh man, they were pretty good at first. But after like two days of wearing them back to back in different gaming sessions, I started to get that pressure again. And I was like, oh, no, like what's going on? And then I realized it's the weight of the headset. Like it's a very heavy headset. I didn't mention this last week, but the Kyra Pros is probably the heaviest headset I've ever owned. Not saying it's the heaviest headset that exists for Xbox and PlayStation, but it's pretty damn heavy. And the the, the 50 millimeter speakers and this particular headset feel a lot more heavy than the than the uh 50 millimeters i have in my other two headsets very strange but yeah it just brings a lot of weight down and that means that headband starts to cram into my skull and yeah so that wasn't gonna work out so i went back to gamestop explained the situation it was a different employee there this time i'm glad it was a different person because the guy before who was nice he probably would have been like oh you're bringing another headset bag what the hell but no he wasn't there when i went but the guy was very nice. He's like, oh, sure, no problem. He refunded me. And I walked out of the store. I wasn't even going to bother with another headset because I got to do a lot more research. I need to find one that's super, super light, like my uh, Hyper X Cloud Stingers for my PS5. Has to be around that weight. These are uh, these Hyper Xs, because I also have Hyper X, but I have the um, Cloud, I think it's Cloud Flight S. They're wireless. Um, they're a little bit more expensive than the ones you have, the Stingers. But yeah, man, HyperX's are really comfy, I have to say. Yeah, it's like a cloud on your head. 
Yeah, it is. It's definitely more comfortable than the Xbox wireless headset I just got. So yeah, it's, I mean, although that is still comfy too, but yeah, these, these are good. These are the real deal. The HyperX's. Now, if you want to hear the whole headset story, go listen to episode 15. I talk about it there for a while. You'll hear the journey. And 14. Start at episode 14. I think we uh, start there, right? Or no, because that was me. I think we start... There's like a trilogy. <laughs> there's- yeah, yeah, go go start, start at 14, and then you get to my headset experience with 15, and then you're all set, and you're up to date. Uh, Mike, I think at this point, it'd probably just be easier for you to get a new head... Yeah, I got to take my brain out first. I mean, we, some could argue that it's it's not there in the first place. That's true. It's just a bunch of fluid floating around in there. I don't really have a brain. Just the brain stem. I have that small little brain stem, but not the full brain. <laughs> yeah, you're like the uh, scarecrow from uh, Wizard of Oz. If I only had a brain. Man, that movie's old. It's a great movie, though. We're speaking of like uh, old movies, like from last week. We were talking about the time machine, but yeah, this that's that's another great one. You haven't watched that yet, right? I have not watched it. I did uh, find out it is on HBO Max, though, so I will be oh, watching nice. that at some point. I actually watched it two nights ago. I was like, "Why not?" The hell with it. I don't watch a lot of movies. I haven't seen this movie in probably like eight years. I own the uh, Blu-ray copy that's an HD, and they did a really good job at HDing the movie. Of course, there's those few scenes that they can't up the resolution because there's something wrong with the film or whatever, but for the most part, look pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, the movie's like over 60 years old, so... <laughs> there's only so much you can do. Yeah, exactly. I just wanted to mention that uh, recently it was the 30th anniversary of the SNES. Not the SNES. The SNES. Super oh, no, Nintendo. let's not go over that again, <laughs> no. It's SNES, guys, if... If someone is listening right now and he's and you're one of those people who say SNES, get the hell out of here. We don't want you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Jeez, Mike. I mean, we're trying to get people to follow us. That's not the way to do it. I don't give a shit. People got to get it right. It's S-N-E-S. I don't want to hear the SNES shit. I mean, we, and we definitely have already alienated Nintendo fans before on this show, so... Yeah, I'm the Nintendo guy, and I say a lot of shit about Nintendo. So. We we look, we do, we love <laughs> Nintendo. Okay, don't get the wrong impression. Oh yeah, they just there's some issues. So it was the 30th anniversary recently. Um, so like this this console is almost as old as me. Um, I'll I'll be 37 in March of next year. Yeah, this this uh, this, I think I would go ahead and say this is probably one of the best consoles of all time. I'd say top five. That's in there. Jacques, I have one extra thing I want to add in the intro before we move on. Yeah, go ahead. It just happened a couple days ago. My PS4 controller, the X button, little sticky. Like, I have to really press it down for it to register. Now, the reason why this is a, such a big deal is because the PS4 controller I own is the same PS4 controller I got back in 2015 with the console. I never had to buy another PS4 controller. Wow. It still works. But it's just, you know, it's a little sticky, the X button. But it's just crazy. I've had this thing for six years, and it's finally showing signs of breaking down. Six years. That's impressive for a modern controller. They don't usually last that long. This isn't the Super Nintendo controller where that thing can, you know, survive a nuclear bomb. <laughs> I mean, if, I mean if, you, if you put it in a refrigerator, it might survive. Oh, no, no, no Crystal Skull references. Get that bullshit <laughs> out of here. Frick that Indiana Jones movie. It was such a disgrace to the franchise. 
Yeah, we don't we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that is damn impressive. Um, usually I've never had a face button mess up, but it's usually the sticks, like the rubber wears off or you start to get drift. So, yeah, some of the rubber on my right stick is peeling off, but it's still fine. And the left stick, when I click it down, it doesn't make that clicking noise, but it still registers, so it's still like working. I, I did play a few hockey games on the control, and I'm still passing great scoring goals and shit so it doesn't interfere with my performance but it is showing signs now it's finally uh on its last legs i I think and my console is loud as shit but that's the case for most people's ps4s i I have to clean that thing i need to open it up and get all the dust out of there maybe even replace the uh, thermal paste on the uh, motherboard so it doesn't sound so loud the ps4 it's it served its purpose it did its duty now that you have a PS5, you know, you might need to retire it. I'm going to ride that thing out until it just dies and it just doesn't turn on, like everything's just shot. I want to see how long it's going to go. Well, when the time finally comes, you should do like have like a ceremony to honorably discharge it. It's going to be a funeral for my PS4. Yeah, we can play taps. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the PS4 was it's a fucking amazing generation. Did you watch that uh, trailer, or that little gameplay thing for Black Myth uh, Wukong? Yes, I did watch that one. The uh, Dark Soulsy kind of game, right? Yeah, basically, it's like, yeah, to me, it reminded me of Sekiro. Definitely like a, a FromSoft-inspired game from uh, some Chinese developer. I, th- I can't remember the name. It's like Science Games or something like that. But yeah, it's running on Unreal 5 engine, and man... This game looks amazing. Yeah, beautiful. I was, like, amazed by how uh, pretty it looked. But it's a Souls game at the end of the day, and I did play Demon's Souls recently, and I enjoyed it, but usually these kind of games are not my cup of tea. So I don't think I'll jump into it when it comes out, but I am impressed by the uh, physics and all that. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. I don't think I'll actually play it because I don't really enjoy playing those kinds of games, but I think I'll definitely watch a playthrough when it comes out because it's, yeah, it's, they're fun to watch. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to mention that real quick. Uh, But yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, we can just jump right into what we're playing. I'm just going to toss this out real quick. I beat Assassin's Creed Valhalla. You're not going to hear my extra thoughts on it right now. Just go back and listen to the other few episodes because my thoughts are all over the place with the game. But just, you know, just real quick, I'll just say it's a very good game. Uh, I wish it was like the older Assassin's Creed's, though. I'm still a fan of the older games, not not the Origins and the Odyssey and the new one, Valhalla. Uh, it's just too damn long. It took me 60 hours to beat the game. I could have been playing other games. I mean, it, it was good, but it, it just think it's overstayed its welcome. So, yeah, I have nothing else to say about Valhalla. I want to move on to the next game I've been playing, which is Splinter Cell the original Splinter Cell game from 2002. That's right. It's 19 years old. We're approaching the 20th anniversary, and I hope to God Ubisoft is actually going to do something next year. If they don't, then Splinter Cell is truly dead. So, Mike, how does the original Splinter Cell hold up? It's been a long-ass time since he played it the first time. So how, how does it hold up now in 2021? The gameplay actually does hold up in some areas. I was shocked. Like, there's little things in this game that we take for granted now. Stuff like when you walk up to, like, a pole and your guy automatically grabs it. A lot of games do that now. Sam Fisher does that 
in the first game. You just walk up to somebody, grabs the ladder immediately, starts climbing up. You don't have to like awkwardly move your body all over the place and wait for the button prompt to pop up, and then you can climb up the ladder. None of that bullshit's in the game. It still feels rewarding when you sneak up behind somebody and grab them. It still feels good, that slow walk. You snatch them and you grab them and you drag them into the dark and do whatever you want with them. That didn't sound right, but you know what <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I was you know thinking. What I mean. my, my mind went to some weird places there, but continue. <laughs> now, the camera feels great, just like how you expect the camera to feel like now. No problems with it at all. So that immediately crushes the Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3 game when it comes to camera control, because the camera in, the, in those games suck ass. The lighting is actually very impressive. Now, I was playing it on my Series X, and it has the Xbox One X enhancements, where they up the resolution nine times or something, whatever it is. I don't remember exactly what they said, how much they upped it. But it looks really good, except for the cutscenes. They look like ass. They didn't fix the cutscenes at all. They look terrible. That's awesome that Xbox has done that for a game that is that old. They did it for all of them. All the Splinter Cell games. Yeah, that's uh, at least the one you're, we're talking about now, the original. That's that's an original Xbox game, so that's pretty cool that Xbox does that. It has some really nice dynamic lighting, or when or when a, like a bulb is like swinging left and right, like the light looks very realistic as it's moving across the room and shit. Now there are moments where the light looks like crap, like the very first scene of the game. It's kind of like a cutscene. Well, it's an in-game cutscene. And uh, the sunlight coming through the blinds looks absolutely horrible. But once you get in the dark sections of the game, the lighting is stunning. Thermal vision still looks incredible. Night vision, it's good, but it gets better in the other games. Um, the aiming is a little weird, uh, but once you get used to it, it's all right. Like, uh, to equip your gun, you have to tap X. <laughs> he pulls it up. And if you want to reload, you have to hit the left bumper. Now, when you want to pull up your, like, menus at the bottom, you just have to hold down the bumper, and then all the little gadgets and sh shit pop up, and you just move the stick and pick which one you want. In Metal Gear, it's a whole thing to select a certain object or an item you want to use. It's it's so cluster-fucky, it's terrible. In Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3, when you want to grab a guy, it's very awkward, and it doesn't feel right on the controller. It just it, There's too many button combinations you got to do, but in Splinter Cell, they just keep it simple. Just sneak up behind a guy, tap X, grab him, or I should say tap A. There is some stuff that's dated, sure, but for the most part, I'm having a fun time with it. The memories I had back in 2005 resurfaced. Like, it, it's there. Now, the story's not that great. It's just your typical, oh, this terrorist and this group is doing this bad thing and they're going to get nuclear materials and this. We got to stop them. Sam, you got your mission. Get it done. It's that kind of a story. It's not worth talking about. Yeah, like um, video game stories have evolved quite a bit since then. Michael Ironside is fantastic. For a 2002 game, he's giving it his all. I, I love it. Everybody else in the game is either there or not that great. Now, Jacques, I told you to start with Chaos Theory. I still think you should do that. I think that's the place where most people should start if they want to get into the uh, uh, Splinter Cell franchise. Yeah, a lot of people say Chaos Theory still holds up. So that makes me very excited. I can't wait to get to that. Because if I'm feeling like this with the first game, I'm sure the third game's got to still play great. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm almost done with the first game. I only have three missions left. I was trying to knock it out earlier today, but too much shit came up I had to take care of, so 
uh, that's going to have to wait. I'm not going to talk about this next week. I, I might mention I beat the game, but I'm not going to, you know, dive into it or anything like that. It's a, a lot of the stuff I'm saying now is is all you're going to get. <laughs> but I don't know when I'm going to start the sequel, Pandora Tomorrow. It's probably going to be a while because I got other games I want to play. I want to start 12 Minutes and uh, Hades and a few others. But hopefully uh, I can get to it uh, in the near future. Yeah, cool. I mean, yeah, you pretty much said like all you need to say on it this week, so you you don't need to repeat next week. Yeah, w- why regurgitate the same shit in the next episode? I'll just say I beat it, and, and that's it. Yeah, I, I was doing that a lot with Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I was like, oh, I don't want to talk about this again. I, I I stretched it out into like three different episodes. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and do that less going forward. Yeah, same here. Unless you have like something new and interesting to say, like we were doing Mass Effect for like a lot of weeks in a row, but that those are large games, and there was like three of them, so we had a lot of stuff to say. Now, I am playing Mass Effect three, but I'm gonna do the same. Like I'm just gonna wait until I finish it to talk about it. But uh, yeah, um, did you want to move on to Aliens? Yeah, we could talk about Aliens Fire Team. Okay. I have about four hours playtime in it now. Uh, the game costs thirty nine ninety nine. Just want to let everybody know that it's not a full price game. It's not a sixty seventy dollar game, so that's good for the wallet. I do think it's worth forty dollars if you're a hardcore Aliens fan, and I mean really hardcore, like me and indie. If you're at that level, get this game. You're going to get some fun out of it. But if you're just casually into the franchise or you're just somewhat curious about this game, you might want to wait for a price drop. I'd say 20, 25 bucks, pull the trigger. But I'm enjoying it. There is issues. And Jacques was just playing it with me via share play on my PS5. Yeah, like literally right before we went live, I was I played a round. So. There's one thing Aliens Colonial Marines did right. They did something in that game that's just not in Aliens Fireteam. Well, it's sort of in there, but it's kind of lackluster and blah. In Aliens Colonial Marines, there's a proper campaign in there. It's a shit campaign. Story sucks and all that, but there is a legit campaign in there. You got your cutscenes. The levels themselves feel like a typical campaign. Aliens Fireteam tries to put that in there like they try to trick you into thinking there's like a campaign in there but it really isn't yeah sure there's a lot of talking in the background and your headset stuff like that but the levels just feel like arcade runs it's not really a campaign in my mind so aliens clone marines has a campaign that's one positive thing you can say about it when you compare it to aliens fire team now jacques in our test episodes we actually talked about aliens fire team And in that test episode, I was worried about the game's Xenomorph AI intelligence. Now, they're not stupid in Aliens Fireteam, but the thing that bothers me is that the Xenos are always running at you. Oh, Xenos, here they come. Oh, Xenos, here they come. And most of the time, it's obvious, like, where they're coming from. They don't sneak around enough. They're not hiding. They're not trying to, like... They're not trying to outsmart you. They're just they they're not trying to be stealthy. They just they just literally run straight at you head on. Yeah, they're not being stealthy and sneaky like the Xeno from Alien Isolation or even past alien games like the AVP games where they're really sneaking around on the ceiling and shit. So it's just like ah ah horde 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 horde. Um, and that's 
fine. And there's certain moments in the Aliens James Cameron movie where they do that when they attack the main room or when they're trying to, you know, run away from them in the vents and shit. You know, they're all chasing them and stuff. That's fine. But at the end of the day, the Xenomorph is a sneaky, stealthy creature. And I don't think this game shows that enough. Now, there is certain classes that do that. Like the, the, the big chap, I think they call it the Prowler, right? There is a Prowler. I don't know if that's the um, big chap. Oh, the Prowler might be the Hunter, actually, the Hunter class, that, that red one that jumps okay, on you. Okay, yeah, you're, you're right. But the big chap, the, the Xeno design from the original Alien film, he tries to be sneaky a little bit, but even with him, he runs towards you. You could see him coming from a distance. He'll occasionally like jump into a vent and run away, and then he'll come back later. But that's about it. Could you imagine the AI intelligence from Alien Isolation and all of the Xenomorphs and Aliens fire team? It, it would be cool. It would be cool if they were that intelligent and sneaky. Um, I actually have wanted to play Isolation for a while now, but I think I'm gonna wait for the till I get a Series X to play it. You know, on the better console and get all the enhancements. Yeah, there's actually a lot of games I'm waiting to play until I get a Series X. Uh, Chaos Theory is one of them. But uh, yeah, man, I, that's that's the game I wanted is like the Aliens Fire Team, but with the isolation type AI. Because cause the little bit that I played on SharePlay with you of Fire Team... Repetitive. Yeah, it just does not quite... It's like a facsimile. It, it looks enough like Aliens. It It sounds enough like Aliens. Got the pulse rifle sounds, the smart gun sounds, yeah. There's just something missing that seems a little bit soulless. Oh, the objectives in the in the campaign's terrible. It's like, go here and press that button, and then wait, and then a horde comes, and then rinse and repeat throughout the entire damn mission, and every mission is like that. Now, later in the game, you do encounter androids you gotta fight, and that's when the game kind of turns into, like, Gears of War, because there is a cover system in it. The cover system's actually pretty good. Uh, the combat itself is not bad. Like, I, I like it. But there's just not enough variety yeah. in the game to make the combat more satisfying. And when the Xenos are always coming after you, like every 20, 30 seconds, like hordes of them, I'm just like, all right, got to do this again. <laughs> yeah, it's a little too mindless for an Aliens game. Like you said, it's just they're always coming. You never get a break, which... Like, I mean, I guess that might have been what they're going for, because it is more of a shooter. It's not like, there's like no horror to it, you know? So if that's what you're looking for, like, definitely don't play this. Go play Isolation instead. But if you want kind of just like a sort of generic, uh, like Left 4 Dead, you know, World War Z, Back 4 Blood type game, then I, I guess try this out. But like Mike said, wait till a price drop. Now, there's just a few other things I want to just touch on real quick. Uh, the voice acting in it is terrible. The story is terrible. Uh, it has this hub world that feels like Destiny, and the menu systems feel like Destiny. When the characters talk in these like weird cutscenes, the mouths don't talk or anything. Come to think of it, none of the, the mouths move when these characters talk in the game, which is super lazy. I mean, we saw that shit in late 90s video games. You can't put it in this. When I, when, when I was playing, Mike was like, okay, go up to someone and talk to them. And he's like, what's the first thing you notice? And I was like, immediately, I was like, their lips are not moving. <laughs> and uh, so I don't know if they're just talking to each other telepathically or what, but it's, it's, it's odd. No, and then we were also <laughs> making fun of because the one character's name was uh, Colonel Ship. 
Yeah, Colonel Ship. So we were just we were like laughing because we're like, oh, and over here is a uh, Sergeant Gun and Lieutenant Grenade and you know Sergeant Barracks, Private First Class Ammunition. I, I don't know. It just seemed like pretty generic. Yeah, those names are terrible. There's not one character where I'm like, yeah, he's cool. Now with Aliens, Colonial Marines, you get Lance Henriksen in there. Some of the generic Marines. They're not that great, but there's some personality there, like that they tried a little bit. And then Michael Bean's in the game later on. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think the cast in that game's better. I'm saying positive things about Aliens, Colonial Marines, so th- th- there's some red flags here. Yeah, I'm, that's, I was thinking the same thing. Was, uh, like, if this game is getting you to say positive things about Colonial Marines, eh, that doesn't speak too highly of this game. There's four campaigns. Each campaign has three missions, so you're probably going to get around eight to ten hours. You can see why they didn't charge $60, $70 for this game. There's just not enough content in there. I'll probably talk about it one more time next week. I know I was just saying I don't want to talk about the same games every week, but there's still some extra content here I need to check out. Yeah, if, if I had to just sum it all up, I'd say it's serviceable. Yeah, above average. And it'll probably get better as they add some patches and stuff. I don't want to make it sound like we're shitting on it completely. $35 season pass. Sorry, I got shit on it one more time. Yeah, that is steep. <laughs> Not for spending that, game. that, sorry. <laughs> that is like almost as much as the game costs. It's mostly cosmetic shit, too, and consumables. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. All right, well, you ready to move on? Yeah, I'm done. Okay, so uh, a game I have played this past week is Blair Witch, uh, which is on Game Pass. I I played it because it's been on my backlog, and I noticed that it's leaving Game Pass at the end of the month, I think the last day of the month. So I was like, oh shit, I better hurry up and bump this up and play this. It's a short game, too. It's like really short, so... I uh I think I played through it in two sittings. You can definitely play through it in one sitting. Five, six hour game. Yeah, it's know. about six hours. There was just a part that I got to. It was late at night and I was like, my brain stopped working. I was like, all right, I'm just going to stop and pick back up tomorrow. But um, <laughs> so, and you've played this game, Mike. Mm-hmm. We can talk about this more in depth. I think we might do some spoilers. So this is your spoiler warning if you plan on playing the game and uh, don't want to be spoiled at all. Yeah, you're going to have to refresh my memory a little bit. I played it the day it hit Game Pass, like a year ago. Okay. So it's it's a little foggy for me. Okay, so spoiler warning, five, four, three, two, one. Okay, so I am wildly conflicted about this game, and I'm really curious what you thought about it. Same. Same. That was the same way. You, you're conflicted? Okay. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of things I like, and there's things I don't like. This was done by Bloober Team, who did the Medium most recently. They also did the Layers of Fear games. Um, this is my first Bloober Team game I've ever played. Now, I have seen footage of Layers of Fear and stuff, so I kind of knew what I, was, what I was getting into. They're more about like narrative and atmosphere over gameplay. Seems like that carries through all their games. So I I think I really like the story. I, I like how it unfolds. I, I kind of have a problem with the gameplay a little bit because there's not much of it, which is I think a complaint I heard about the medium as well. So it seems like this might be a recurring thing with them. 
This is a game where, like, your choices actually change things, because there are, like, multiple endings. I think there's, like, two main endings, like, a good or bad, and then there's, like, slight variations, and then there's a secret ending, too, so... Now, the thing I didn't like, this this is a thing that just fucking annoys me in games, but I get why they did it, and I'll explain afterwards why... So they have things, like, all throughout the levels, like these totems, and they have, um, like, the little Blair Witch, like, symbols, you know, the, the, the little sticks, like, tied together and stuff, like, hanging from trees. Yeah, yeah. So they have, like, all these things, and they don't tell you at all, like, what they are, what to do with them. Oh, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> okay. A gamer's natural instinct is, if you can pick something up, you're going to pick it up, right? Of course, yeah. Okay. So I I I I see the first totem it's like immediately like basically as soon as you start the game there's like this one and I'm like oh so I what is this so I pick it up okay um and then I I keep going on a little bit further into the woods I see another one I pick it up and I'm like I and I I start to think I'm like you know what based on what it said in the beginning that you know your choices you're always being watched your choices affect things I was like, let me just go and Google and see, like, what these are, because I don't want to get fucked, you know, with the ending. So I looked up, like, how to get the good ending without spoilers, like, just the steps, like, just steps without giving anything away. And it's it basically says, don't pick up any of those totems. Do not destroy any of the, like, hanging Blair Witch symbols, because they hang from the trees all throughout. And also, too, you have, like, a dog companion with you which you can feed treats, uh, you can pet it, which I love that mechanic, by the way. That that was so cool, like having the dog where you can actually... Yeah, I like the dog in that game. Yeah, you can actually command it and tell it to stay with you, go seek out things. It's very lifelike, too. Like, he acts like a dog when, when you're not telling him what to do. He's, like, sniffing around, like, always looking at you. Like, So that that was cool. So, but to get the good ending, you have to... You have these treats. You have to constantly feed the dog, like, throughout the game. You have to pet them. You don't know how much. You just have to guess. Like, hey, it seems like a good time to pet the dog or feed him. Let's see. There's like a couple more things, I think, that you had to do to like tick off these boxes to get the good ending. So I I was totally right. I I had a feeling. So I was like, okay, I'm only like 10 minutes into this game. I'm just going to like restart the game because I already fucked up. I already fucked. So I'm going to get the bad ending for sure. So I I restarted the game. I I, I avoided all the totems and stuff. I didn't pick, didn't destroy anything. Um, I pet the dog, fed him the treats. So, and then I get to the first part of the game where you actually have, like, these 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 enemies. They're, like, I don't even know how to describe them. They're just in the forest. They occasionally, like, pop out of trees. They look like these weird ghostly entities running yeah. around. Uh, they're half-cloaked. Yeah, you can't, like, see them real well. Because all you have is a flashlight. Like, you don't have a gun or anything. Like, you're just some dude. Like, you're not, like, you know, a soldier or, like, a cop or anything like that. Although the character does, he's a, a former veteran uh, suffering PTSD, which actually plays heavily into the game and the story. But yeah, so you're basically, it's survival horror. Like, you just have a flashlight, and it's it's super fucking dark out there. Like, it's very cool. Like, I love the atmosphere and the music and all that. That is one of the positives. So anyway, there's like these enemies that'll pop out occasionally, and you basically, it's it almost reminded me of Alan Wake, because you have to flash the light on them for so long and they kind of just disappear now comes the part where this is another one of those things this check marks to get the good ending you can't kill anything 
So the enemies that are trying to kill you, you cannot attack them at all. Which goes against every fucking instinct. I think most people got the bad ending. I yep, totally agree. I think that was the intention. Although they want you to play it multiple times, I don't think it is made to be played multiple times. Because I certainly had no urge to go back and play it again after I finished it. But yeah, I think they anticipated that most people, a large majority, would get the bad ending first. So my first time I encountered this enemy, I I killed it. And I think I did that before I looked up, like how that was one of the things I did before I looked up the good ending. So okay, so after I restarted the game and I went back, you know, didn't touch anything, and I encountered an enemy again... My instinct was to kill it again. I did, even though I'd read, don't do that. I didn't think about it, you know? So I killed another one. And then as I went on, I was like, well, fuck, they said don't kill any of these things. They just said don't kill the things that are hiding in the trees, the enemies. And I was like, well, are they talking about these things or is there something else coming up? So I just kind of went on with the game. And then, like, further on, you know, another enemy like that came out and. I, I just didn't think about it. It's your instinct to kill it. So I killed it. And then I, I, I was at a crossroads there because I was like pretty far into the game. The first enemy I killed, it was it was weighing on my mind the whole game. It was really distracting me because I was like, is this going to fuck me? And I just fucking had a feeling it was. And I did everything else it told me to do to get the good ending. So at that point, I was like, you know what? Fuck it, dude. I'm just, I'm full bad. Fuck all these enemies. I'm killing everything because I'm, I'm Rambo pissed. time. Yeah. <laughs> I was so pissed that something like that, that they would, that would be a, a fail state, basically, you know, for getting the good ending. They, they design it that way on purpose, though. As I went on, I realized because there, it ties into the narrative because, they, they, like I said, the, the character you play as is a soldier who's suffering PTSD. Now... As you get further into the game, you kind of realize that there's not actually a Blair Witch. This is not a Blair Witch game. It's only a Blair Witch in name only. What Bloober Team has done is they've they've used the lore and the name, but they're subverting your expectations. So there's this thing with the eyes. Like He keeps having flashback to these eyes, and you're like, throughout the whole game, you're like, what is this? And um, you finally realize, like, at the end, it's, it's, what he did is, when he was in the war, it looked like Iraq or something like that. Shit was going down, you know, it's a war zone. He ran into a building, there's a civilian woman in there, and she was scared, and she was about to scream. And he, he was trying to hide, and he covered her mouth, and he ended up stabbing her, and killing her. And the last thing he saw is just her eyes, like, as she's fading out, you know, she's dying. So, like, th- this is haunting him. That That is his Blair Witch. And there's, like, lots of notes you can find, too, like, where he's, he's he, um, even before going to war, he had, uh, had psychological issues from stemming from some incident that happened as a kid where he was taken out into the woods. I'm assuming by his father. I, I don't know. It, you can use your imagination. I, I don't know if it's, like... Um, it seemed like he was, his father was teaching him how to kill a deer, you know? So I don't know if he, uh, that traumatized him or if something even worse, you know, happened. I don't know. So anyway, like you find out this, this guy has been like out in these woods for just who knows how long, maybe years. And he's basically fucking crazy. They do a lot of cool stuff with, uh, visuals. 
they really simulate like he'll have pain if you're too far from your dog you'll start having panic attacks yeah the screen starts getting dark right yeah and you have to get closer to the dog or you'll uh, freak out and lose control yeah so i thought that was cool and then uh there's this point in the game where it's like you um your dog runs off and he kind of falls a far distance and injures himself and you have to um decide whether well there's not really a choice but you can leave the dog to die i guess but who the fuck's gonna do that i just kept walking with the dog yeah you pick up the dog and you're just walking and basically to exhaustion like it's a loop you're you're just looping there's a lot of like maze type loopy areas like which is it ties into the narrative like he's just reliving this same fucking trauma over and over so that that's the part i like like i get it i get it they're tying the narrative into the gameplay and it makes total sense however it's not always very fun to play it's kind of glitchy it's not even that it's glitchy it's just not fun it's basically like a walking simulator maybe they patched everything now but when i was playing it when it launched it was glitchy as shit so i appreciate what bloober team is doing but, like, a lot of those things, like I was saying, were, like, the, the simple things that they don't even tell you what, like, the totems are, that you're not supposed to pick them up, any of that stuff. It's it's bad game design. That doesn't mean that it's a bad game. Yeah. There's a difference. Yeah. You just have no idea what these things are for. So that was just super annoying as someone who obsesses over getting, like, good endings or bad endings. So, of course, like, in the end, I got the bad ending which I knew I was going to get, cause, and I think it was because I killed those those tree enemies. Because the whole like purpose of the story is like trying to overcome your PTSD. So they're trying to teach you like not to kill, like not to always um, confront a situation with aggression, which I get. But like everything, it goes against all your instincts as a gamer, though, to try to get this good ending. And I found that annoying. I, I will say like the final like hour or so, like, is pretty good. Like when you're finally in the house, you find this house. Oh yes, that that thing that follows you around in there. Because I forgot to mention too. Like so, the reason he's out in the woods. Well, it, it, there's this boy that's gone missing in the this town of Burkittsville, where the you know the movie The Blair Witch Project takes place. There's this little boy missing, and all the cops are out looking for him. And so your character, at first, you think like, "Oh, he just—he's deciding to join the hunt to search for this this kid." That's the pretense. But it's like really, like I said, as you go on, you find out no, he's been out there by himself for fucking like probably years. He has a tent. He's fucking crazy, dude. He 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 sees this this creature like monster chasing him throughout the game, or like and. You find out eventually, like, which I, I pegged the ending. Like, I I figured out what was going on, like, probably halfway through the game. Like, so nothing was surprising. Like, I realized that this creature, this thing that's chasing him was just him. So so what it was happening is, like, those enemies that you kill in the tree, those are actual people. He's just seeing them as, like, tree creatures. You killed cops, but you don't know it until the end, <laughs> which is cool. But frustrating if you're trying to get the good ending because you, you you don't know that you're doing that. But it feeds into the narrative. So anyway, you get to the final place where you're in this house. You think that's where the kid is. You've tracked the kid there. And uh, also there's this camcorder mechanic. So there's like a puzzle solving aspect to it because you look and you can use the night vision on it too. So like, because it's super dark. So like if you don't want to use your flashlight, which kills these enemies if you shine it on them, you can just use this night vision on the camcorder, which is not great. But... 
it's something. So there's these puzzle things that where you can change reality in front of you. Like if you, you, you find these cassette tapes all throughout and they're supposedly from the killer left behind, you know, the kidnapper of the boy, but it's actually you. It's so you have to look what's in the scenery in the video. And then you have to like, you can ra- rewind it or fast forward it and pause it right at a moment. Like say one is like a tree falls and that in your current play, you play through the tree is blocking you. But if you rewind the tape to where the tree is standing up before it falls, it literally does the same thing in your reality. So you can go through the tree is not there anymore. So it's pretty cool like that. But that just further feeds into like, yeah, this dude's fucking psychotic. Like he's, he's losing touch with the reality. Um, but yeah, so finally I need to get to this house. This, this final house was pretty fucking cool. Like this is probably the most like survival horror part of the game. Um, yeah, it's the best part. So you're in this house and you're kind of like all these memories are coming back to you of when you were a boy in the woods, this trauma you, you fucking went through and like, it's, you're having flashbacks of like, you're in the war, you know, you're, um, all this shit. And, and so, and basically supposedly the Blair Witch is in the house with you eventually. So, and you can't look at the Blair Witch. You can't look. So basically you have to look at the ground and just have your camera and your light on in this dark house. And you're going through like this maze of doors. It's really just a normal sized house. But like this, now I think this section went on a little bit too long because I didn't want to look up at all because the first creature that (laughs) comes at you busts through the door or the window and it's like, you know, written on the walls, like, don't look at it. So I was like, okay, I thought they just meant, like, don't ever look up. So literally for an hour, I was navigating, staring at the ground through a camera. But, like, I really like how they feed into the narrative, because it's basically saying, like, the Blair Witch is your trauma. That's what you fear. Stop focusing on your fear. You have to move forward. You know what I mean? That's what I was trying to tell you. Like, keep focus and keep moving forward and stop harping on your, your trauma, you know, cause you're going to stay in this house forever. It's going to be a maze. You're going to be caught there forever. So I really love games that manage to do that, like tie the gameplay into the narrative. And it's really cool. Like there's a lot of sections, you know, if you've ever seen the Blair Witch project, there's parts where like you have to go into the corner and when the witch is coming and just stare in the corner and don't move. And it's like, there's one part where it's trying to turn your camera around without, if you don't touch the stick, it'll slowly start turning your towards her. But you're like, so you have to like wrestle with the stick to keep looking at the corner. And then basically at the end, like depending on your, your actions throughout the game, either I did well, I went back in YouTube and watched the two endings, but you know, so the bad ending is you basically become the Blair Witch, like your screen goes red and you have the symbol flashing, on your camcorder and you're basically just like you start killing all the monsters by just walking into them and then it like comes to the final end where you get out of the house and you wake up and it's yourself like the the creature that was like kind of following you all throughout and you thought did all the killings you see it's just like a dark like dark mirror of yourself and um if if you have the bad ending yeah, like you finally become him. You accept that you are a killer. At this point, your dog has disappeared, though, before the house. So you're in the house alone. So at the at the end, if you're it's the bad ending, the dog uh, he can come back if it survived. If you like picked him up and walked with him when he was injured, but it might growl at you because it doesn't recognize you. You know, it thinks it senses something wrong. And then if it's the good ending, I guess you 
quote unquote good ending, uh, you kill yourself. <laughs> uh, I don't mean to laugh at suicide, but it's, um, you know, it's not really a good ending, but I guess it's the better ending because you accept like, no, I'm not going to let this control me, I guess, like this PTSD, but I don't get why he kills himself. So Jacques, you said you were conflicted with this in the beginning. Where are you at now? Are you more positive with the game or negative? I think I'm I'm leaning towards favoring it. I think I do like okay. it overall. I know I've went on for like fucking ever, but I, I like I said, I had a lot of stuff okay. to say about this game when I was talking to you before the podcast. Yeah, you got to get it off your chest. I was curious to hear your thoughts about it because I've been wanting you to play it for a long time. And now you finally got around to it. So, yeah, yeah. It's, I don't really have much else to add. I have very similar uh, thoughts that you have with it. Uh, I, I do favor the game at the end of the day. It does have its issues here and there. It, it's a low-budget game. I, I definitely recommend it. Uh, it's leaving Game Pass, so I think you should you know keep an eye out on the sales and, and see if you can get it for like you know eight, nine, ten bucks. I, I think you'll have a good time if you're into these kind of games. Now, Mike, what I'm really curious about though now is I want to play the medium even more because you know it's been rumored that they well it's not even rumored anymore. I think they officially announced like they're working with Konami. Now, I don't know if they officially said they're doing a Silent Hill game. They may have. They are clearly inspired by Silent Hill 2. Like, no doubt. They even say it. If you played both those games, you know. So th- I'm, I'm even more curious beyond the medium to see how they're going to do Silent Hill. I think they can pull it off. I'm cautiously optimistic because I feel like you know, where they needed to be to make Silent Hill is like a 10. I would say they're like at maybe like an 8.59. Like they're so close. I feel like there's just a little more like polish and care um, that they need to do to get there. So I'm really curious, like how, if I'm going to like the medium better than this or not as much. I think you're going to dig the medium more because you're into that like spirit ghost kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're going to favor the medium. But yeah, Bloober team is clearly talented, so I, I am excited to see like what they do in the future. I think their best game is Layers of Fear, though. Which is funny, because that was like one of their earlier games. I think the gaming audience would probably agree, the ones who played all three of those. Yeah, I've heard more people like those. Now I kind of want to go back and play those. I think I'm, like, I'm really, I've just been on such a survival horror kick the last like year or so. Yeah, I'm just, I still want to play more. Like I said, I want to play Alien Isolation, but I'm just waiting for the Series X. That game is long. <laughs> it's almost 20 hours. And that's just coming from a big Aliens fan. You'd think I'd want to stay in that universe as long as possible, but nah. It should have been around 12, 13 hours tops. All right, Mike, I think I fucking talked so long on that. We should probably move on to our topic. We'll see, like, how long we're going to last on this topic, because, um... We're going to be talking about Gamescom. Oh, boy. We're kind of <laughs> kind of lukewarm on this. Now, we're going to cover the Xbox showcase and the opening, opening night live. We're not going to cover anything after that because we just... If we wanted to get this episode out this weekend, there's no way we could cover those because those are happening like too late. So Mike needs time to edit. So, but these, these are the big ones. So we're, we're going to try to, what we're going to do is we're kind of just going to go through and pick out some games that caught our eye and just, we're not going to cover everything. This is not an in-depth analysis, but, uh, so we'll go ahead and start out with Xbox's showcase. Um, it, 
it, it was not E3. I thought their E3 conference was fantastic. This was not that. This was a little bit more of a disappointment. They showed some more gameplay for Dying Light 2, which I actually think looks pretty fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I did not play the first Dying Light, but I heard nothing but great things about it, and I'm curious to play this, especially given all the behind-the-scenes drama, how long it's taken, it's been delayed, and apparently they're doing like lots of um, progressive things that aren't really widely happening in video games as far as like the, the world around you changing and being very dynamic and stuff like that. So excited to see that. Uh, let's see what else. So we also got, uh, boy, did we get some flight simulator updates? My God, there's so much content. Oh yeah. A lot. Racing planes, a little quick update with Top Gun. Did they say they're adding a helicopter? Maybe not. Oh, yeah. No, they're adding helicopters. Okay, it was a helicopter. Okay. Right. I think so. Yeah, I think there's like these drones, too, that they're adding. So, yeah, I this I have not played this game. You have a little bit. Yeah, briefly. I only played like an hour of it. That's why I haven't talked about it yet. I just haven't really been in the mood to play it. When I want to listen to like a long podcast and I don't want to really play something too involving, then I'll jump on Flight Simulator. But until that happens... uh yeah, not going to really get into it right now. Yeah, this is like the perfect podcast game. Uh, I, I can't wait to play it. Um, and I think I don't, I'm not really interested in the sim part of it. I probably would just put it on the most basic, easiest mode. I just want to kind of fly over places and just explore. So I think I'll definitely be doing that when I get my Series X. They they also had like this uh, Humble Games section where they showed off 10 indie games coming to xbox game pass this year and into next year and there's actually some cool things in there like this has probably actually excited me the most so there are like two like some that stood out to me there's this game called the uh, bushiden bushiden i'm not sure how you say it yeah it's i i don't i can't even explain it you'll have to just go look it up <laughs> there uh let's see there this, there's this one called flynn son of crimson uh also looked very cool um, and that's actually coming September 15th, I see, so... Oh, okay. That's not that far away. Uh, there's this game called Signalis, and I think you probably will remember this one, Mike, because it, it basically looked like uh, Dead Space, but it looked like it played like the old Resident Evil games. When they first showed it off, I was like, ooh, this looks kind of cool, and then I saw the camera angles and gameplay mechanics, like, no, that's Resident Evil 1, no thanks. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, see, I, like, I think I might, I'll give it a try, at least, because I don't like that camera, but man, this game looks stylish. This looks very cool. I like the atmosphere. Yeah, it's it's just so cool, because it's like, it's, yeah, classic survival horror. It's it's It looks like something like Aliens or Dead Space, but it, it plays like the, you know, original Resident Evil 1 and 2, and I know Indy's going to dig this. Oh, yeah, he's going to be all over that game when it comes out. There's this game called Unpacking. <laughs> which it, it oh, i mean i Jesus. guess it's a puzzle game but it, you basically are it looks like a mobile game yeah it really does you're literally just unpacking a house and placing things and 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 i'm just like dude i have enough chores and shit to do in real life <laughs> yeah i got enough of that shit in my place i don't want to play a simulator of that like maybe i'll give it a try it could be a decent podcast game i don't know moving on you could tell we're very excited about the the Xbox showcase. 
Yeah, yeah, it was boring. I I wasn't enjoying it at all. I mean, there there's a few moments uh, that I liked. I'm probably skipping ahead a little bit, but I just want to mention this real quick. When they got to Ages of Empire or Age of Empire, whatever the hell it's called. Yep, Age of Empires four. And they're like, "All right, let's go to wherever the hell they were and fire this massive trebuchet." I'm like, "Okay, sure." That actually got me excited. I don't know why, but I was like, "Why? Why is this getting me excited? This shouldn't even be in this con in this show." But I was like, all right, cool. I mean, they give us a whole history lesson with how they use these things back in the day, and they actually fired it. What did you think about that moment, Chuck? To be honest, I fast-forwarded through Age of Empires because I don't give a shit. It was really interesting, at least the shit they were talking about. You should. I'm sure I'm sure it was, man. I just, like, dude, I just can't get into those kinds of games. I didn't give a shit about the game at all. I mean, I was about to fast-forward, and then they went to fire a real trebuchet, and it was massive. It was one of the behemoth ones i'll go back and watch it yeah you really should it was cool and by the way that that uh comes out october 28th so uh and then something really interesting uh they announced that like xbox cloud gaming um you're gonna be able to coming this i don't know if it's this year fall it's fall yeah this fall if you're um a, a game pass ultimate subscriber which we both are you're going to be able to play Series X and S games on the Xbox One, which is, like, so cool. Now, they'll be streaming. It could be spotty, you know, could you could get some frame drops and stuff like that, some lag. But, you know, it's it's you've played some of the cloud gaming. Like, it's does it seem it's pretty steady, isn't it? For the most part. But everybody's internet is going to be different. Yeah, that's true. And here's the big thing, Jacques. If you have a data cap, on your service. This shit is going to eat it up fast. Your data is going to go out the damn window. And that's the biggest problem they face. Probably better off just getting a Series S um, or X if you can afford it or swing it. But but it's cool that it's there. I I, I think I'm going to use it if I want to check out a game before downloading it. So yeah, let me, let me see what this is all about. This just further cements, though, that Xbox is, like we've been saying, they they don't necessarily give a shit about consoles or selling consoles. They're just trying to sell their ecosystem and trying, like, getting people on Game Pass. Yeah, they just want to be everywhere. Uh, so, let's see. Moving on, uh, there was, like, this uh, Sea of Thieves Borderlands ship that's coming, I guess. Or actually, it's already out by the time this is out, I think. The only thing I thought was funny is like the, you know, the front of the ship. I don't know what they call it, if it's like the masthead or something, but it was basically claptrap, but it was, uh, it was just a barrel dressed up like a pirate claptrap. <laughs> um, okay. So moving on, uh, there's, uh, an update coming to State of Decay 2. It's called Homecoming, which is interesting because you were talking about recently jumping back into this. Mm-hmm. And I think this might be a good time for us to both try that out. Uh, it's coming, they don't actually have a date, which is weird, but I think it is definitely coming this year at some point to Game Pass. Free update, don't gotta pay for it. Yeah, it's adding, like, a whole new, like, map, uh, new weapons, like, all that shit, so. Okay, let's see. There was this game called Into the Pit, which, to me, looked like a sort of Bioshock, Doom-esque looking game. Um, where you have like this first person, you have these powers and stuff, but you're taking on like some kind of a uh, a cult or some occult enemies with magic and things like that. Uh, let's see. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, the showcase really is boring. I'm sorry. Like, do we really need to stretch this out to an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes? I don't remember how long it was. It's just... It was like 90 minutes. A couple trailers on freaking YouTube and a blog post would have been fine. <laughs> I'm skipping some things, too. So, Also, uh, so yeah, Psychonauts 2 is like already on Game Pass. It just came out on Game Pass. Um, I actually want to try it because I've been hearing lots of good things about this. Like People are saying it's in the game of the year conversation. Really? Wow. Can't wait to play this. I mean, I have it downloaded, so... Yeah, I still got to download it. Just too much other shit to play, but I'm going to play it soon. They also gave us an update on that game, The Gunk. They gave us like a short trailer that was under a minute. I didn't really think it was necessary because they didn't really tell us much more about the game. But I do think the game looks cool and I'm looking forward to playing it. Uh, Okay, so and then they did some shit on Forza Horizon 5, which I love racing games. I've kind of fallen off, though. This game looks amazing. It's one of the best looking games I've seen. So I'll probably I might give it a try eventually. They showed like them dropping cars out of an airplane and... For a second, I thought they were going to do some sort of battle royale thing with cars, but it doesn't seem to be going in that direction, at least based off of the trailer they showed. The coolest thing about this is they showed off a new limited edition controller, and man, I, I want this thing. It looks so cool. Like, you go look up pictures. It's uh, it's like yellow, but it's kind of translucent a little bit, and you can see inside and where the grips are. There's like You can actually see like a motor of sorts moving almost like cylinders and pistons on a car engine what's cool too is it's got the boundless gamers colors it's got pink and blue like one stick is pink one's blue and it's got like this almost like splash of spray paint across it that's pink and blue and it's got these cool um on the back of the grips like this uh leather almost like racing wheel inspired grips it's it's really cool like i, I want it so bad uh, so yeah, that, and that was pretty much the Xbox showcase. Boring. Yeah, pretty boring. I was like, man, I could have been playing Splinter Cell. <laughs> so I'm just gonna move on to uh, Jeff Keighley's opening night live, which was even longer and possibly even more boring. Two hours. Know. Yeah. Well, th- there was a pre-show too, so if you were sitting there for the whole thing, it was probably closer to two and a half hours. Yeah, there, there's a pre-show. It's like I, I, I watched it. There's the only thing I thought look cool from there is this game called soundfall it's like a rhythm action game coming next year it looks like parts of it are hand-drawn animation like a cartoon and then when it gets into the gameplay it's different it's sort of like a i don't know maybe like an isometric uh hack and slash or i'm not really sure but it looked cool um okay so and then they started off the show with the saints row reboot is announced which is coming out february 25th of 2022 this would have been cooler if it hadn't already leaked previously. <laughs> yeah, that's a shame. That's always the thing, man. I think that's part of what ruins these shows is shit just leaks out now. I mean, we saw that with the new Spider-Man trailer, too. Like, the fucking whole trailer leaked out. And Dead Space. Yeah, Dead Space. Man, how cool would that have fucking been if we didn't know about that? I would have flipped if I was watching that live stream and I saw Dead Space. I would have been, like, opening up my window and screaming at my neighbors, They're making Dead Space remake. <laughs> I know you don't give a shit, but I gotta tell somebody. Like, I was, I pretty much knew Dead Space reboot was happening, or remake was happening before, but I still fucking yelled when I saw it. Yeah, I can't imagine if I didn't know, man, I would have fucking went insane. Uh, so yeah, I mean, the, the Saints Row reboot looks 
okay, but man, I'm just, it's another, it looks like a pre-rendered CGI, which I'm so fucking tired of this, man. They showed a little gameplay uh, after that trailer. I played a lot of the Saints Row games. I played one, two, three, and four. I, I don't think I played Gat Out of Hell. That's funny because Gat Out of the Hell is the only one that I have played. Really? Okay. And I, I loved it. Yeah, I've got, I almost platinumed it, Mike. There's like one trophy hanging there that I said, fuck it, because it was way too hard. It's like where you have to get hit by the cars, but you have to have your ragdoll body bounce and land on three more cars without touching the ground. And I was like, fuck this. I tried like over and over. There's got to be a way to trick that. But yeah, that's, uh... yeah, I don't, I'm not crazy about those kind of trophies. It's half luck. So, but like with Saints, this reboot, man, there's just, and I'll mention this again too, with the Marvel's Midnight Suns game, and there's other games too, I feel like a lot of these games, the art style just looks so samey, and I'm really getting tired of this, like, this this Fortnite style, like cartoonish, like exaggerated art yeah, style. Yeah, I noticed that with the game. Yeah. Please stop it, developers, stop it. I'm, I'm sure there's tons of people out there that like this, but it's just, I'm getting so fucking annoyed by this. Um, so yeah, sp- speaking of Marvel's Midnight Suns, um, it's, this is that rumored, uh, Marvel XCOM type game. It's made by Firaxis, who did the XCOM games. It's coming out March 2022, and I was surprised because I had heard about this, but I did not know it was that soon. I did not know it was coming this soon. I think there's a gameplay reveal in September, right? Didn't they say that? Is there? I didn't hear that. Well, one of the games in the show said that. I, I'm pretty sure it was the Marvel game. Yeah, you could be right. I mean, yeah, Marvel XCOM, like, you don't really need to sell me anymore. <laughs> I'm totally sold on this, 100%. I love XCOM. I really like the Marvel Universe. Put those two together. It's peanut butter and jelly. You know, I'm I'm all set to go. You, uh, you, are, you are correct, Mike. September 1st, the full gameplay is, reveal is coming. Oh, okay. Oh, there you go. My memory's not complete shit. <laughs> so, okay. Um, oh, my God. So you, you can maybe speak more on this, but we finally got a world premiere look at Call of Duty Vanguard. Okay. I got to be honest, Mike. I, I fast-forwarded through most of this. Cause I just don't give a fuck about God. I like Call of Duty campaigns. Uh, I'm not into the multiplayer anymore, really. It's very rare for me to actually want to jump into a multiplayer Call of Duty match. But I do enjoy playing the campaigns every year. It's that junk food game. Michael Bay over the top, shit blowing up. Great, cool-looking set pieces. And I like the direction that they took with this one. I like Laura Bailey's character. She looks really cool in this. She's playing as uh, an actual female a sniper, a Russian sniper. I remember reading about this actually a long time ago. There was an, an elite sniper team that the Russia had that were all female and they were deadly accurate and they mm-hmm. were like some of the best that you know that were in their military. Uh, so it's cool that we're going to get that story. As for the other characters you're going to play as, I can't really speak about those yet because they didn't really show them too much. You kind of see glimpses of them, but yeah, the gameplay looked cool and. Uh, I'm always down for a new Call of Duty campaign. I wasn't too excited about the last one. I uh, What was it? Uh, Cold War? Yeah. A little weak. But for the most part, I'm usually into these. I'm a shooter guy, so of course I'm going to play it. It's, I play every shooter that comes out. You know? I And I don't want to make it sound like I'm just shitting on everything. I, I don't want to come off like so negative. But like at the same time, I have to be honest with my opinions. 
So I, I don't want to like, you know, pretend and try to fake it. Like, oh yeah, I'm so happy, excited, dude. If you don't like Vanguard, you got to say it. Speak up. I say shit about so many games on this show. <laughs> yeah, and it's not just this. It's just like a few things on here, you know, like what we were just talking about, Saints Row. It's like, I don't, I don't want to diminish anybody's excitement. Look, if you're excited for these games, that's fucking great. Like, I'm happy for you that you something is coming out you're excited for. These days, people are so sensitive and they get so bent out of shape if anybody disagrees with their opinions. Like, just relax, guys. Like, we can all disagree. We can like our different things. It's fine. It's totally fine. There doesn't need to be arguments. There doesn't need to be hate, you know? It's just whatever. And and also, like, even if I am not excited about a game or I don't think it looks great, I at the end of the day, I still respect all the developers who are working hard on these games because they put their, their love into it. They put hard work into it. And they should be commended regardless if I'm, like, excited to play it or not. Yeah, so the next game we're going to talk about actually uh, is Halo Infinite which we finally got a release date, and it's December 8th. So it is coming out this year. We, we weren't sure. Um, it has already been delayed a full year. The tech preview that they did a little bit ago, a few weeks ago, uh, seemed to be well-received. Now, they did come out recently and say that co-op campaign and Forge mode will not be in it at launch. It's going to be early next year that's coming out. It'll probably be a few months after. Oh, Indy's upset right now. <laughs> See, now, like, I'm curious your thoughts about this, because personally, I am like, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think people are blowing this way out of proportion. No, I don't know. I, I really want Forge at launch. They they keep doing this with Forge. They did it with Halo 4, and it's, come on. Can, can you get that ready at launch for once? Back in the old Halo games, that was always there, day one, and ever since 343 took over, it's kind of like, eh, yeah, we'll get to it. I don't know. That's just me, though. I, I just feel like um, we have to take into account that COVID. Uh, yeah, I understand that, but they did the same thing with the last Halos. That there was no COVID going on. You're right. Like, but also they are putting a, a lot of these modes are very um, in depth. So it's like, you know, Forge is basically a sandbox where you can build your own shit. So I don't know how much on top of already doing the campaign, already doing this huge-ass free-to-play multiplayer with seasons. Um, that That's a lot. So now, I, I the Forge, I can understand. The co-op campaign, I'm a little more like, okay, I can understand that people being mad about that. That I think that's a little more reasonable. I, I personally don't really care too much because I usually play all my shit single-player first, at least. I don't even know if I'll play the co-op campaign, but yeah, like I said, I can understand people's uh, people being angry about that. But I have to say, like I said before, it COVID is a thing. All these games, this is the year of delays. Um, so we have to be a little more understanding to these developers when they, they have these delays. And I get it. Yeah, it's already been delayed a full year. That is true. We've waited long enough. But I just go back to like, okay, would you rather them ship a game that's not finished um i mean they are shipping it technically it's not finished but it could be even worse i would rather them wait but i know why they're getting it out this year is because of the anniversary of halo they want they have to get it out yeah if, it, if there wasn't an anniversary they would have been like eh, we'll just punt it for a little bit i don't know just get more hands on deck i i think 343 needs I, I they are a big studio but i you know microsoft should probably throw more workers on uh, the halo project if there's too much shit they have to do get a, another group of people to work on forge and let them just work on forge 
to get that ready. Microsoft's got the the funds to get do, everything yeah. covered. So I'm I'm just I know it's COVID. I know I, I get I get what you're saying. I understand that, but there, there's no excuse for the older Halo games before. It's, it's so this is a, a trend. So I have a feeling they had Forge very low on their list way before COVID. COVID or no COVID, Forge was going to get pushed back regardless. Uh, so on top of that, they also announced a Halo Infinite Xbox Elite controller which is coming this November and you can pre-order now. It looks fucking awesome. It's like it's like Master Chief basically. It's it's all green and it's got the the D-pad is like gold like his visor and yeah. It's got yeah. all this detailed artwork on it, all these lines and yeah, go check it out. It looks really cool. It's expensive but pretty cool. Yeah, it's the Elite Series 2 controller. That's not all. They also announced the Halo Infinite limited edition Xbox Series X console which also has its own unique custom controller that is different from the one I just talked about. Uh, go check those out. I think they look pretty cool, too. Now, you can't get one because it pretty much went out of stock like as soon as it went up for pre-order. So what, what did you think of those? Did you like them? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, it's you know, $549.99. It comes with the Halo game. Uh, you get that cool uh, custom controller. The, the console has a nice Halo theme on it. I like the Starry Night on the top of it. It's really nice. Yeah, it's sold out pretty damn quick. Uh, the Microsoft Store had it first. It sold out within minutes. And then Target got it, and then 10 minutes later, out of stock. And I think Walmart just put their listings up a few hours ago. I, I don't know how long it was on that site. I do recommend people pre-ordering this if you're looking for a Series X. It doesn't come out till November 15th, so there's no risk in pre-ordering it. Uh, if you find a black Series X console you know, before it comes out, just cancel it. I already have a S Series X, but if I saw this and I didn't own one, I probably would have pre-ordered it. Uh, so moving on, uh, and I'm I'm skipping a lot of stuff on here. You can just kind of go look at a rundown on your own time, but uh, I will just skip ahead to Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga. Oh no, yeah, yeah. Which finally it doesn't have an, it still doesn't have an exact date, but it is coming spring 2022. Uh, you can speak more on these because you like Lego games more than I do. I really don't dig them that much. I think they're a little bit too juvenile for me. But I will say, this probably looks like it's going to be the best Lego game, just period. Because uh, they, it's on a new engine, I believe. It's now it's more of like uh, a uh, third person, like behind the back type camera. Yep. It looks more action focused. It, lots of cool things going on here. What, what did you think about this? I'm just happy that they changed the engine. They've been using the same Lego engine for like 20 years. Well, not 20 years. They've been making these kind of Lego games since 2003 or four. And I'm just like, can we please change the engine? I've been saying it every year, every year. And I'm just like, is this the one? Is this the one where they're going to do it? Oh, no, it's the same. It's the same. And then they finally decided, you know what? We're going to change it from the ground up. And I was so excited to hear that and then they revealed it was star wars i'm like oh that's perfect i love star wars now i can't wait for this game because i want to play the last jedi sections and rise of skywalker i'm so excited to check those levels out because the lego games make fun of everything even the good moments in star wars they make fun of all of it so they're gonna have a field day i can't wait for the the scene with snoke with the lightsaber you know it's turning on his side and <laughs> it's gonna be great 
That that is a good point. I had not considered, and I'm actually really looking forward to that. Now, just how they're going to make fun of the sequel trilogy, like the Kylo and Luke flashbacks, and Luke throwing the, the lightsaber over his shoulder. Oh and, my god! Yeah, it's gonna be funny. Let's just hope it actually comes out spring 22, <laughs> because I'm still not sure about that. It's probably going to get delayed again. Uh, yeah. So f- uh, I want to finish up with. The Outlast Trials, which we finally got a look at, and it's coming in 2022. Because uh, we had heard about this. This is going to be set in the Outlast universe, which is those survival horror games. Which you, I don't think you've played those yet, have you? What, what games were you talking about? I'm sorry, I was taking a drink of water. My bad. <laughs> Outlast. Outlast? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I beat the first Outlast game. I haven't started the second one yet. Okay. Uh, here, the second one is not as good. Yeah, it's not. First game has two expansions. I never actually got around to them, though. Oh, my God. Seriously, dude, you have to play the Whistleblower expansion okay. for the first one. At least that. I'll it's do that. fucking gnarly. But yeah, so the Outlast Trials is actually going to be a co-op focused Outlast game. It looks like it's set up like Saw, basically. Like, you're going to be together. You're going to like try to get out of this this uh these places with all these traps and monsters running around and stuff looks like it could be a cool co-op experience but yeah i think that's pretty much it for gamescom uh what's your final thoughts jock was it necessary uh no I- i'm starting to think like none of these are actually necessary I think what they should do is probably just go more like how uh, State of Play, Nintendo Direct, those little mini, f- more focused uh, uh, showcases that are already, you know, you know what I mean? 25, 30 minutes, you know, here's the games, yeah. here's the trailers, bing, bang, boom, we're out. Okay, that's it. See you next time. <laughs> I don't need two-hour showcases with music performance. And, uh, you know, I, I, will, I will mention one of the music performances in the Jeff Keighley's uh, event. That chick with the violin... Great music. I uh, I fast forwarded through it. <laughs> oh God, no! Go go listen to that. That was actually a good song. Like she was extremely talented. She's like dancing around the stage while playing the violin at the same time. I was like, wow, this is a. It's not necessary. It's not necessary at all yeah. for the show, but it's incredible talent, and it was a nice song that she was playing. What was it even for? Uh, oof, a game I don't give a shit about. There's like too much fluff too, man. That that is a huge issue with these shows. It's like it's always, you know, like that. Even though it was a cool performance, it's like I don't give a fuck about a music performance like that on a video game show. I I don't care about all your little jokes in between showing things. Just show the games. And I think they're too long too, because a lot of this stuff we've already seen, and they're not really showing much new. And I just realized too, there's actually some stuff I forgot. The Death Stranding director's cut they they finished out the show with, but and I love Death Stranding. Don't get me wrong; I think you did too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's not a game I think I'll go back to. And we've already seen like all this stuff in the previous trailer. I, I, sure, they went like a little more in depth, but I just don't think it's necessary. They show too much. So yeah, I don't know. That's just. I'm just getting really fed up. I was kind of bummed going through these shows because I was just like so not into them. And it's just like sucks the the, the joy out of you. And I think next time I'm just going to read an article. And then if there's something that catches my attention, all right, I'll watch that trailer. Let me go check it out. I don't know if I want to sit down and watch another one of these two hour showcases. Like half of it, actually, well, more than half of it was just a complete waste of time. Yeah, I agree. 
and there's just one last thing too I forgot to mention. Um, so Horizon Forbidden West, the guy finally got its uh its release date announced. It has been officially delayed until February 18th of 2022, which was expected. That is almost exactly five years after the first one came out. And to add on top of that, I don't know if you heard this, Mike, but they just released a 60 frames patch for Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. That's cool. But yeah, no, that's pretty much it. Um, Yeah, I I don't know if we'll be doing these things anymore. (laughs) Like reviewing showcases and stuff, because I I really don't enjoy it that much. I'm just like so done with these. All right, Mike, let's move on to surprise mechanics. As usual, it's uh, we, we both bring something to the table. We Neither one of us knows what it is. That's why it's a surprise. So, all right, cool. Moving on. Uh, Mike, what is your surprise mechanic? <laughs> <laughs> it's story time, but it's a very quick, short story. Uh, I just want to talk about my midnight launch moment with Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 back in 2009. This was a really, really crazy night when I went there. It was freezing cold. It's almost midnight. Okay, so I'm on the line. There's like 150 people, maybe more. I'm like maybe in the middle of the line. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is going to take forever. So anyway, a guy comes out of GameStop with two rock band guitars and goes in front of the line, gets everybody's attention, and then completely destroys them on the concrete. Just shatters them into a million pieces. He just, he did that, he went in his car, and then he left. He didn't even pick up the game. It's like he just went there just to get attention. But that's not the only thing. The first guy that got his uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 copy, he came out of the store, went in his car, drove up in front of the line, he stuck his copy of the game outside the window, started screaming profanity, and just bragging that he was the first one to get the game. Like, who gives a shit? But here's the funny thing that happened, Jock. He hit the gas, and he had the copy of the game still outside the window, and he was still looking at the line while he was blasting off. 20, 30 feet in front of him, there's a speed bump. (laughs) So he blew past that thing at a fast speed, and you can hear his car just make all kinds of noises you don't want your car to make you know it's like and he's like oh shit what the and then the whole line is just laughing their ass off and then this guy like drives away in shame and you can hear his car is messed up like completely messed up (laughs) he probably fucked up his axles yeah definitely so the guy who did that if you're listening to this podcast was it really worth it was it really worth probably spending twelve, thirteen hundred dollars on your car? I don't know how much you probably have to spend to fix it. Just to brag about your Call of Duty copy? Oh, I'm the first guy to get it. Gotta show it off. Well, hope it was worth it. Here's your bill. <laughs> I gotta say, Mike, I'm 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 shocked that this happened coming from the Call of Duty community. Yeah, I mean, most of the crowd was pretty cool. I mean, I was talking to some guys while while waiting. There's a lot of cool dudes, but then you got these uh few nutballs <laughs> come out of the store and got a guy destroying accessories and then the guy destroyed his car well not really but you know definitely damaged the hell out of it but that's it just wanted to give you guys a little quick uh taste of midnight launches if you guys have any 
crazy stories, uh, please let us know on our social media pages. Uh, I want to hear that shit. Yeah, those, uh, I went to a few. Those were, um, they were fun. Um, I definitely don't want to do those anymore, um, especially oh, with no, COVID. No, no, but no. even before COVID, it's just like, eh, there's no reason to do that anymore. 40 degrees outside. <laughs> yeah. And I'm standing in front of a store at midnight waiting for a video game. But you get hot pizza, Mike. <laughs> That's right. They did have pizza there and it looked terrible. Nobody touched it. It looked like they got it from the back of the store and it's been sitting there for God knows how long. All right. Um, so, yeah, I'll move on to my surprise mechanic. Uh, yeah. I, so I watched Aliens Special Edition, Mike. I, I know it's All another right. movie, like a third week in a row, but I don't give a fuck. This is our podcast. Also, I felt it was fitting because we were talking about Aliens uh, Fire Team. I won't say Elite. Thank you. This movie inspired that heavily. Yeah, I finally went back and watched it. The special edition is like, I think it was like almost two and a half hours. Now, I don't know, I don't remember like what are the differences between that and the standard edition, but I gotta say, like, this special edition was fucking awesome. Like, I, you could tell some of this stuff was like extra content. It felt like uh, th there's this one part in particular that felt added, and it's where... It's after the Ripley, and these are the spoilers, by the way, if you have not seen this movie, but it's like fucking, Jesus Christ, if you haven't seen Aliens, like, what are you even doing with your life? <laughs> but so, like, when Ripley, after she, uh, you know, they get her in the beginning, she wakes up, comes out of cryo, and she learns that 57 years have passed, and she learns that her daughter has grown old and died, Amanda, who... Yeah, that was not in the original version. That scene, dude, man, because I don't remember seeing that, but man, dude, I love that scene because Sigourney Weaver is so good. I love her, man. I I have even more an appreciation for her after watching these, the first one and this one um, again. I mean, I've seen them before, but I watched them again. Yeah, it's just that was such a sad scene. I almost think like that is like the most, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but that is like almost scarier. Yeah, gut-wrenching, that's almost scarier than anything else in the movie. The fact that, like, holy shit, you wake up, you've lost 57 years. She's been floating in space with Jonesy for 57 years. And the last thing that she left off telling her daughter is that she would be back. Her daughter was, like, 11 last time she saw her. And then you wake up and you're like, oh, by the way, she lived a full life and she's dead. And, yeah, that that would just be, like, holy shit. Sigourney Weaver sells the, the PTSD from the first movie. Like, she wakes up, like, yeah. from a nightmare, and she keeps grabbing her chest throughout the movie because she's remembering the chestburster scene for, with Kane. And, um, yeah, it just seems like the special edition is much more, like, layered and paced well. Yeah, the Amanda Ripley scene is really cool, and if you want to know more about Amanda Ripley, go play Alien Isolation. It's canon. It's Ripley's daughter when she's in her, like, mid to late 20s. She's looking for her mother. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, it takes place between Alien and Aliens, which now I'm even more excited to play that game. Yeah, I do think the special edition is the superior version. It's just the colony scenes that didn't add up with me. I thought they were completely unnecessary. So I, I do got to say, though, like when they show Newt with her parents, because it had been a long time since I've seen this movie, so there's a lot of stuff I don't remember. But I, I thought it added a lot of context because I had no idea that this whole outbreak on Hadley's Hope started with Newt's father. If I'm reading that scene right, 
like because he got the they went to go investigate the the engineer yeah the derelict ship and they he got the face hugger and they brought him back obviously to Hadley's Hope and it's really cool that they draw the, the it's it's such a smart setup too where Ripley has just learned that she lost her daughter you know right. and then Newt has lost her parents like these characters need each other. And you really feel that, like, that bonding. Like, Ripley is the only one that is, like, really... It's so cool, too, because, like, Ripley, like, she fucking is a boss bitch. Like, she gets shit done. But when she's talking to Newt, she's so soft and delicate with her. Sigourney Weaver pulls that off so well, being able to just switch on a dime like that. Because when she's in the uh, the, the HQ, you know, that little with, uh, uh, what's his name? Burke? Yes, Burke. And the other guy too, the fucking incompetent Gorman. To, Cor, yeah, Gorman. Like she, when they're all getting fucked up, you know, the Marines inside them. They first encounter they, she's like yelling, like "Get him out of there!" and like just she takes charge. And it's kind of funny because once again, Gorman, just like Dallas, incompetent leadership. And I think that's intentional. The people who are running things are not necessarily uh, always the the capable ones, and they shouldn't be in leadership. Gorman makes up for it in the end. I'll, I'll give him that. Look, I fucking love Bill Paxton. Rest in peace. And it's it's a shame that he is gone way too early, way too soon. He's a treasure. But watching this again, he is way too over the top. I'm sorry. I used to like him back in the day uh, for many years. And then as I got older, I was like, hey, he's kind of annoying. My favorite's Vasquez in the movie. I really like her. Yeah, obviously, Vasquez is awesome. Of course, Ripley, you know. Besides Ripley, let's just say that. I, I think, yeah, everybody can agree Ripley's probably the best character. But Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he just kind of gets old real quick. He's got some really good lines here and there. I like his character, but sometimes they use him too much in the movie. I, I get why Hudson is over the top. It's because, like, they're trying to show, like, how... Because in the beginning, he's the, he has the most bravado. He's like, you know, the, right. the macho man, like, we got all the guns, we fuck shit up. But then when shit goes down, he's the first one to collapse. He's whining, he's crying about everything. Like, Ripley and um, Hicks have to tell him to, like, shut up when they're actually trying to come up with a solution. <laughs> so, <laughs> and obviously he has the famous line, like, game over, man. So, yeah, I don't know, I just thought he was a little too over the top. Now, yeah, I love the uh, the ending, too. Like, that whole, where she, uh, Ripley... Um, is going into the alien, uh, the queen, like approaching her and that, that like silent walk through, you can really feel the tension where she fucking, she has the fucking pulse rifle with the fucking flamethrower duct tape to it. And it's badass. She doesn't know where the xenomorphs are hiding, you know, aliens fire team. Just, you know, just saying <laughs> <laughs> they're not always running at you. But that just shows her bravery because, like, she's the reluctant hero, especially in this one after what she went through in the first movie. Like, she initially is just, like, look, trying to notify the authorities and, like, like you guys have to do something about this. But then she finally realizes, like, okay, she agrees to go down there, you know, and and then it eventually ends up, yeah, like, her in the end. Like, she's the one getting shit done and she's, yeah, I just love that scene. Um Obviously, like, the very final, like, when she, the showdown with the, the alien queen with the, the the power loader and stuff. That's that's an amazing scene. Jock, watch the making of that movie. It is insane how they do all the practical effects. There's a ton of dudes controlling that uh, alien queen. It's it's crazy. Oh yeah, I'll check. I have to check it out. 
The practical effects in this film is fantastic, and it still holds up in some ways. Oh, yeah, it's it does. It's just incredible. Well, James Cameron is a fucking master filmmaker. <laughs> I mean, that goes without saying. Yeah, I was just thinking of that scene, too, where you're speaking on, like, how many people it took to control the alien queen. So when they, you know, Bishop and Ripley and Newt finally get off, they escape in the ship and they land inside. I guess it's a hangar or something, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You think like, oh yeah, everything's fine. And I thought I was misremembering because I'm like, wait a minute, did they cut out the entire like power loader fight scene? I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then like all of a sudden the fucking alien queen tail just fucking impales Bishop from behind and lifts him up and just fucking rips him in half, man. Queen takes Bishop. Chest move. Oh yeah, you're right. Queen takes Bishop. But when she just rips him in half, dude, I'm just like, that is fucking awesome because you don't expect it and it's so well done. And then, like, she, I love when Newt runs up to Ripley and she's like, Mommy, like, finally, like, I'm like, wow. Wait, she said that? What scene was that? At the very, um, let's see, I don't know if it was before the Queen or after they defeated her. Shit, I don't remember that, wow. It might have been after Ripley, like, spaces the Queen and she, I think Newt might run up to her and hug her and yell, Mommy. Yeah, I probably noticed it in the past, but I just can't remember. Plus, it's almost... 1.30 in the morning, so my brain is like... <laughs> it's going off into the distance. But yeah, if you haven't seen this movie, please, guys, watch it. This is my favorite movie of all time. It's a great fucking movie. I love movies that go crazy with the practical effects, where they just heavily rely on it. No CGI. Not saying I don't like CGI, but I just I always prefer practical effects so having watched, like, both of these movies now, like, back-to-back, Alien Aliens, originally, I I always said that I liked Alien the best. But having reconsidered now, I think that I like them both equally for different reasons. Because the first one is more, like, uh, horror, you know? It's just straight horror. Um, yeah. This is a little more action. It's still got horror elements, for sure. But it's a little more action-based, and... It, yeah, it's just a, it's a fun thrill ride, man. And, and, you know, you got two master filmmakers, Ridley Scott, James Cameron. I, I think they both hold up pretty well. Yeah, and I like them both equally. So, and I, I'm not even going to bother watching Alien 3. <laughs> no, you have to watch Alien 3. At least Alien 3. Okay. You got to watch that one. Because that's when the series jumps off a cliff. <laughs> I know there's some Alien 3 lovers out there, but I don't know. That beginning sucks ass. Yeah, I've seen it before, but like, yeah, I just, I'll watch it again just to pacify you and just, but yeah, I, I don't know if I'll like do a review or anything on the podcast. I don't know. But anyway, like we've gone on long enough, so I'm going to try to wrap this <laughs> thing up. It is very late. Uh, with that being said, um, you can visit, visit, yeah, I'm, Jesus Christ, it, it is late. Pop another monster, Jacques. <laughs> you're, you're losing it too. Yeah, man, we're, we're just, uh, anyway. If you would like to visit us on social media, you can find us at Boundless Gamers on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And please do us a solid and go follow us if you like us uh, on your favorite podcast platform. And um, that's pretty much all I got. Uh, this has gone on long enough. I think we should uh, end this um, because we are both just fucking exhausted. I, I, Gamescom just took a lot out of me. I'm not doing next year's Gamescom. Sorry, guys. <laughs> If we're still doing the podcast and it's Gamescom 22, I'm bowing out that episode if you decide to do it, Jacques. 
Yeah, I honestly don't think we're going to do any more of these, inc- E3 included. Uh, we'll find another way to, to talk about the shit. But um, that, that is all. We, we hope you enjoyed this episode, and we just want to thank you all for your continued support. And that is all. So good night and good luck. I am Jacques. I'm Mike. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>